Hey, New City, this is Nate Claiborne, and I'm here today with Benjamin Kant. How are we doing, Ben? Nate, doing well. Looking forward to talking about listening. Listening. Yeah, I'm going to listen to you talk about listen. Um, we wanted to actually pick back up. It's been a few weeks since we've recorded, but it's mm-hmm. been a few weeks too since we did our overview of Common Rhythm and ways it's been tweaked for 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm actually excited to hear you unpack this a little bit because this is one of the ones that we, we changed a little bit, gave mm-hmm. it a little more specificity. Uh, and I think it's really relevant to um, where we are right now in our Roman series. I just thinking about we were off, off camera, off mic, reflecting yesterday on yesterday's sermon. Uh, you preached on Romans one. I was teaching in the Bible study on Romans one, and mm-hmm. there's just a lot, a lot there. It's kind of a very heavy text if you're mm-hmm. not familiar. I'm sure everyone listening to this is more than familiar. But um, after hearing your sermon or wrestling with the text in Bible study. Um, it's maybe open, maybe a question people have is, well, now what? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I know what this text says, but mm-hmm. what is, what is it? What is, I know what God is saying. What is he saying to me? What am mm-hmm. I, what am I doing with this text? Mm-hmm. Well, and for the listener who maybe doesn't know what the sermon was about or what it was like, one of the main points I made is um, in loving our LGBTQ plus neighbors, uh, it's important that we recognize that uh, truth makes love possible, but love makes truth bearable. Or another way to say that is truth without love kills, but love without truth lies. Uh, That we as disciples of Jesus are called to walk. um, As John 1 begins, it says that he he came full of grace and truth, right? This this openness, this ability to be, um, to, to truly love our neighbors well, and in loving them well, realizing that the truth is the only way to love them well. Um, but if we just bring truth without love, we'll actually hurt them. Mm-hmm. We can harm people that way. Yeah, we don't get we don't get to pick which one of those we're more comfortable with. Like I'm more comfortable with truth, so I can just tell people the truth, and you know, that's, that's what they right. need to hear. Yeah, um, and people will do that. They'll quote, I think it was in Ephesians four, speaking the truth in love, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and they'll be like, yeah, well, I'm just the kind of person that speaks the truth in love. It's like that's just a that's like a closeted way of you saying that you you're kind of a jerk. Like you, right. you're kind of brash and you know not very tactful in the way that you bring things across to people and Right. Yeah, it won't hurt if I hit you with this hammer because I've coated it in velvet. So uh, it's softer. That's right. right. It's like, that's... no, actually still it's going to be pr- pretty brutal. Yes, that's exactly right. Well, so so to put this with in line with the common rhythm. Um, the common rhythm is our common life for a common love. So it's a way in which we practice our faith together as a community to shape and form us into the kind of people that love God with all of ourselves and love our neighbor as ourselves. And so listen is one of the practices of resistance for the love of others. And so to de- our definition of this practice is it's one hour with no screens to listen to others, God, or yourself. And this was historically called one hour with no screens, which Mm -hmm. was really clear, concrete, practical. Everybody knew what that meant. But we wanted to name it um, and really heighten the proactive aspect. So that is the resistance piece. But but resisting screens and the constant tech creep of our lives is for a greater good, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Which is to give our ears and our hearts um, to our neighbors, whether they be uh, our spouse, our children, our friends, our family, our neighbors, our brothers and sisters in Jesus, like whoever that might be. And in order to do that well, we all know you've got to suspend your addiction to technology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you've got to turn the phone off or put it in your pocket and don't pull it out. Don't let it vibrate and interrupt a conversation. Um, and so that's why that's how these go together. 
And so, but we say to listen to others, to God and to yourself, because of a form of listening might be solitude. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in fact, if you paired uh, fasting and, and really fasted people for a day and, uh, and then paired that with listening, you could do silence and solitude together, which are staples in the Christian life. So, so it's one of the ways when we're trying to make people understand the common rhythm has this uh, structure to it, but it's got flexibility within these categories as well. Yeah, I like that. And I remember too, when we first rolled it out, when it was just one hour, no screens, it's like, well, I can actually accomplish that in a lot of different ways that are not actually helping me love God or love my neighbor. Yeah, that's right. You know, if I, I thought about this, if I left my phone in my gym bag mm-hmm. while I was at the gym and I'm working out, but I have my Bluetooth headphones on. Mm-hmm. And so I'm listening to music while I'm working out and I'm not, I'm, there's no screens. I'm not mm-hmm. watching TV or looking at a computer, looking at my yeah. phone, but am I really listening? I'm listening, but mm-hmm. I'm not listening to God, myself, or my neighbor. Mm-hmm. I'm actually trying to avoid hearing from my neighbors at that point because yeah, I don't that's want right. anyone talking to me while I'm trying to work out. Yeah, which by the way, nobody's critiquing your your workout routine, Nate, because it shows. I mean, you can you can lift out probably more than anybody on staff. So that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm hoping. So it works, uh, but it's maybe not the the way in which you're gonna do one hour with no screens in order to love your neighbor. Right. Maybe not in that hour. Right. It's, it's not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just I'm actually missing the point. And it, it, mm-hmm. just in some of the discussions I remember having with students, it was kind of clear, like, oh, well, I'm at practice. I don't have my phone. That's right. So it's like, well. I guess technically that's one hour, no screens, but it doesn't seem like it's advancing any of your relationships Mm -hmm. because you wouldn't be able to use it anyway. So I think highlighting the resistance piece of this is a situation when you could be on your Mm -hmm. phone, but you're choosing not to, not Mm -hmm. a, I'm not allowed to be on my phone anyways, kind of thing. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. It's, it's really naming this is for this resistance of technology is for the sake of loving my neighbor. And Mm -hmm. it really is a love neighbor practice. So one of the ways I like to think about this is that listening is the first act of love. So in other words, um, if you want to love God or neighbor, the first thing you have to do is listen. And if people are listening to this and they're thinking, okay, give me some Bible for that, which is a great question. Um, Consider the Shema, right? The the great commandment in the Bible, which is Deuteronomy 6, begins with the imperative, hear, Mm -hmm. which is where it gets its name. Shema is the Hebrew word for hear, and it's an imperative. So the first of the great commandment, the very first word is, hear, O Israel, Mm -hmm. the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your... So the command to love the Lord your God, it actually follows the command first to Shema, to hear, to listen up. Yeah, listen up. I was going to say, that's kind of the force of it. Like, hear what is being said and mm-hmm. then do. And so listening is the first act of love towards God, is that we we open our ears to him. And, and you see that in that in the garden, God speaks, he tells Adam and Eve things, and their first act of non-love uh, towards God is by not listening to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we also know that to listen, uh, to really know how do I love my neighbor well, I probably need to listen to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Jesus, the greatest lover that's ever walked the earth, is constantly listening to people. He's listening to the cry of the blind man who's, you know, calling out you know, to, for healing. He's listening to Mary Magdalene when she's coming to the dinner party. He's listening to um, the lepers that, that, are, that nobody else is going to go close enough to hear them. He's listening to Nicodemus, the Pharisee, right, as he comes at night to talk to him. He's listening to the people that are mocking him as he's on the cross, even such that he's able to 
offer hope to this thief on the cross next to him, right? Like Jesus loved his neighbors constantly by listening well mm. and, to, and to understand what their needs were and to be able to um, care and, and really love those who are near with need, which is my definition of what a neighbor is. Yeah. And I, I could see too, I, I don't know if we're going to go in this direction or not, but it, to cultivate listening as an act of love, there's like a parallel posture that's cultivating curiosity. Yes. So there, there's a there's a weird. I mean, we could we don't want to get too far into Christology, although mm-hmm. we could because it's it's a type of podcast that would do that. But there's a sense in which doesn't Jesus already know mm. what the blind man is saying or feeling or experiencing? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's he's modeling curiosity because that's what we would need to model as well. Like mm-hmm. I don't actually. Well, yeah, it's a blind guy. He's begging. Like, but maybe I lean in and ask a question, mm-hmm. try to figure, so I, that's forcing me to assume I don't already have the situation figured out. I don't mm-hmm. have the person figured out. Yes. I have to humble myself and admit I don't know and maybe ask some questions. Mm-hmm. If I already know what's going on, I don't need to listen. Yeah, that's right. Well, and I think curiosity killed the cat, but it gives life to the relationships, mm-hmm. right? Like if you, if you have curiosity and relationship, Um, is one of the most important characteristics that you can have. In fact, I was talking to a friend, uh, Sam Williamson, who we've had on the podcast before, Mm -hmm. um, and his adult children all love him. (laughs) So I'm like, that's a name that I have, right, for my life, that my adult children will love me and actually want to be around me and, like, Mm -hmm. spend time with me in their their adulthood. Uh, I think most parents would probably hope for that. And so I asked him, I was like, Sam, what did, tell me, like, what's the secret sauce, you know? And he's he's very humble. So one of the things he said is he's like, you know what, Ben? I've just been, I've been constantly curious about my kids' lives. Um, So that's different from instructive on how they should live. It's different Mm -hmm. from, I've been constantly coaching my kids. It's different from, I've been constantly, you know, it's like he just leans in with this posture of curiosity. He's constantly interested in them, in their lives, what's going on, what are they learning, what are they thinking about, what do they love, what do they hate? He's curious about them. I just thought, man... There's few things that are more winsome and inviting than somebody who's genuinely curious and interested in you. Um, I've shared before that I write uh, wisdom for my son, basically proverbs for my son. Mm -hmm. And one of them is that the most interesting people are the most interested people. Yeah. In other words, you find people fascinating who are fascinated with you, <laughs> mm-hmm. or you find people fascinated who fascinating who are fascinated with something, right? Because the most interesting people are the most interested people that really take an interest in whether it's people or topics or something like that. Well, it's it's inviting in a lot of different ways. Like in, in some ways, you would think, "Well, it's just me trying to figure out more about you." But there's a my curiosity about you invites the potential for you to be curious about me mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. than me just telling you about myself. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm just throwing information at you, mm-hmm. like, well, that's interesting. He has some interesting thoughts, but mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily invite a connection the same way curiosity does. Yeah, that's exactly right. So one of my favorite um, recent Christian authors is Francis Schaeffer, and he was known for his, essentially his whole ministry was one of listening. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Labrie in the Swiss Alps was a place where people could come with their doubts and their questions. And his famous phrase is, he really believed we need to offer honest answers to honest questions. And so somebody asked him, hey, if you were to spend an hour, if you had an hour to spend with a not yet believer in Jesus, how would you spend it? And he said, if I only had an hour with someone, I would spend probably about the first 55 minutes asking questions and finding out what's troubling their heart and mind. And then I'd spend the last five minutes sharing something of the truth. 
So 55 minutes, he would just be asking questions and listening. And then he would know then, based on those 55 minutes of really um, having insight into exploring their heart, and, and then he would know enough to have real insight into what would be helpful to them. Mm-hmm. I just think that's wise words from maybe one of the most important listeners in the last 50 years in the Christian tradition. Yeah. Um, what it's illustrating is something I've kind of come to recently realize. Um, and we've talked, I don't know if we've talked about this on air, but we've talked about it in other places of um, we like to think of people as either emotional or rational mm-hmm. or some combination of them. Like mm-hmm. they're more rational, but we're not going to deny their emotional being. Uh, but realizing that everyone is really mostly emotional and in a lot of cases the rationality is a veneer on top of that Mm -hmm. um but i've kind of something i've been sort of thinking through that really pertains here is that it's easier to understand what someone else is thinking Mm -hmm. if you can understand what they're feeling Mm -hmm. so instead of trying to think their thoughts after them Mm -hmm. you can try to feel their feelings Mm -hmm. after them and it sounds like that's what schaefer's getting at Mm -hmm. is the path to the mind is actually through the heart yeah, that's right. And then you know, oh, this is, oh, they think that. I would have thought if you, they had just said that mm-hmm. idea or that argument, I would have just thought that was irrational. Mm-hmm. But if I understand where their heart is and then they say that, it actually makes way more sense. Yes, that's so right. Well, and even there's a well-known book on um, negotiation and uh, conflict resolution called Crucial Conversations. And the f- first principle is start with the heart. And so this is a you know, secular book for business leaders saying, hey, the first thing you should do is come f- figure out wh- whoever's coming to the table, figure out what really matters to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one of the things I think is that that's happening in our cultural conversation, which is devoid of really listening well, um, is I think people are really afraid, but it's presenting as anger. Mm-hmm. In other words, I think we are a terrified people. And it's presenting as anger and hatred and vitriol. And and that's all we see. And let's be real. Anger is actually kind of an intimidating emotion to experience from people. Mm -hmm. And so what you hear is people screaming and shouting at each other and, you know, the left this and the right that and the, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's really that everybody's just really scared. But yeah. be, but to name, hey, I'm actually really afraid right now is a more vulnerable emotion than to be than to be mad mm-hmm. than, to, than to be angry about something. And sometimes it's a hidden emotion. It, the, the, it's hard to not know you're angry. Mm-hmm. You may you may downplay it and mm-hmm. say I'm just frustrated. Yeah, that's and right. maybe that's true. Maybe you're maybe you're able to recognize I'm a little bit angry, but I'm not raging. Mm-hmm. Or you're euphemizing because mm-hmm. you don't want to actually say I'm furious right now, so you're frustrated that's or right. you're irritated. I know one therapist who. Who won't let their patients use uh, emotion words that are longer than two syllables. Okay. So frustrated gets nixed because it's three syllables. Mm. So you could say mad, you could say glad, you could say scared, you could say, you know, nervous, you could, you know, there's yeah. all these different words, but but because he argues as soon as you go into three syllables, you're intellectualizing. <laughs> and I yeah. just think that's so funny. Yeah, they're, they're, they're more nuanced. And now you're kind of debating the nuance of what's going on instead of the core of like, what's well, actually this. And that's right. Yeah. And so I, I, I sincerely believe that listening is kind of the way forward. Because I think what we're what we lack right now is is true love of neighbor. And what you know, what's been said before, I think is a point well taken is that everybody loves humanity. But very few people love people. Mm-hmm. They actually love the person in front of them, their actual neighbor. And so Jesus never commands us to love humanity. He commands us to love our neighbor, the actual face 
and name and body and soul of the of the person that's near with need. And I think most people are terrible at that. And I think the first step is learn to listen well. Mm-hmm. And so one of my favorite theologians is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he said this, he said, the pagan world today knows something about persons who often can be helped only by having someone who will seriously listen to them. In other words, people people are in trouble. They've got psychological problems. They've got emotional, psycho, spiritual problems. And they would be helped if people would just seriously listen to them. He says, on this insight, the secular world has built its in, an entire form of secular pastoral care. Mm-hmm. That's what he calls my my side hustle, which is mental health counseling. Yeah. He calls it a secular form of pastoral care. And he says, it's become popular among many people, even among Christians. But Christians have forgotten that the ministry of listening has been entrusted to them by the one who is indeed the great listener and in whose work they are to participate. We should listen with the ears of God so that we can speak the word of God. Mm. I just think that that's like hook, line, and sinker. I mean, it, it mic drop moment kind of thing. And what he's saying is, if you read through the Psalms, just as one book of the Bible, God is a listener. And and if we would become like God, which is the kind of the aim for all of us who are in Jesus, is to become like uh, God in human flesh, which is what who Jesus is, then we would become great listeners. And there's no other option. You cannot become like Christ without being a great listener. Mm. It's a great way to put the point on it. Um, and, and we're talking of listening really in its all of its forms, listening to God, listening to your neighbor, and then listening to yourself. Those are the three mm-hmm. categories, right, that we're... That's we're exactly leaning right. into because in the double love command, those are the three. Those are the three uh, subjects involved. God, self, and neighbor are the ones that uh, Jesus brings together and says, "This is the pinnacle of of Christian life and reality. This is what everything's aiming at: is to love the Lord your God with all of yourself, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. And so, to be able to listen to all three of those is really important to love well. Um, so, so. We've been talking a lot about this, maybe a little too theoretical, but that's what this podcast is for. So let me just get really boots on the ground and we'll close out this way. Okay. Um, In my counseling practice uh, or in my counseling training, which uh, as Bonhoeffer said, good counselors are basically just professional listeners. They're, Mm -hmm. They're excellent. They're profoundly skillful in the art and science of listening. And so I've had some practice at this. And one of the things that we learned in our, in basically like counseling 101, it's literally called fundamental therapy skills, was this framework, which is exploration, insight, action. And so when you're listening to somebody, you you start in the exploration stage. And the reason why is because everybody knows that if you've come to somebody with a problem that's really burdening your heart and they tell you what to do, you miss them. Right, you you just totally like kind of run roughshod over them, mm-hmm. but if you spend some time really exploring what it's like to be them, and that's that's a great question. Like, hey, what does this feel like? Like, I heard you just tell me about this conflict you had with a coworker yesterday. Like, what? Like, how have you been feeling? Or you can even name like, hey, it seems like you're really hurt. Is that right? And you're just asking, so you're just exploring. You're trying to understand what's it like to be them right now, mm-hmm. and that's that curiosity piece, right? Um, and, and exploration comes before insight. And, in, and, and I think that's really important because people will jump right to the insight. Well, it sounds like you're blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And people are like... Diagnosis. Yeah. It's like, yeah. that might be true, but I'm kind of frustrated that you just figured me out in three, 30 seconds, right? Like, and so I'd rather you just spend some time actually trying to understand where I'm coming from. And, and oh, by the way, I think most often we're probably not as right as we think we are in those mm-hmm. situations. Um, and so then you, you move from the exploration stage into the insight stage, which is like, hey, from what I've heard you say, it sounds like fill in the blank. It sounds like 
this has been an ongoing conflict that really just reached a, a climax. It reached a head in this in yesterday when you guys had that that argument. But really, you've been kind of holding some some frustration with that person for a few weeks now, um, and and really it just kind of came to a head. Is that right? And they're like, so I'm testing it with them, right? Mm-hmm. I'm perception checking. Like, am I reading yeah. this right? Which is also part of insight. And then finally, the third and final stage would be action, which is, hey, it sounds like if you went to that person and just told them how you feel, they might actually receive it pretty well, right? That's an action. That's like me Mm -hmm. telling you, hey, maybe I think this is what you should do. But if you do that on the front end, you actually can really miss a person. And there's an arrogance to it sometimes. Some people really do have the wisdom to just see right through, right to the issue. Most people don't. Yeah. Um, and so I think that there's a there's a humility that says, hey, I, I want to explore this person first. I want to explore what's going on for them. Then I'm going to offer some insight. And then I'm going to offer maybe a potential next step. Mm-hmm. And so for the listener here, this is actually important for important relationships in your life. It's important for evangelism. It's important for your your parenting, your marriages. It's important for your friendships. It's important for how you relate to God, right? Can you explore what God's saying in scripture? Can you like distill and, and come with some insights from your meditation? And then you can you put it into practice and actually act out on it? Mm-hmm. Uh, like those are all ways in which I think this framework is really helpful for anybody who's trying to listen to anyone. Yeah. It makes me think of another framework. I, we probably can't go too far into it, but it, it maybe overlays the uh, exploration and insight phase. It's the story, emotion, desire. That's right. It gives you handles to, well, if you are really going to explore, you're trying to figure out what's what's really going on. That's right. What is this person feeling? Yeah. What do they want? That's right. Maybe they don't want a solution. Yeah. So what I, happened? What are you feeling? What do you want? Yeah. Right. That's those three things, which which is a great framework. You're right. So you could, you could use those, you could use other things. And I, I like that you mentioned too, that it's, this is also, it's not exactly what we're doing in Bible study, but it does intersect with what we're trying to do in Romans. Mm-hmm. We're trying to assume we don't already know what Romans says. Yeah, that's It's a right. super familiar book, but let's suspend for a moment that I know justification is going to come up here. Mm-hmm. Or I know this happens at the end of chapter eight. It's like with this text that we're in right now, let's just be curious and interrogate, Mm -hmm. you know, ask questions. What's going on? Why is it this word? Why is it not that word? Yeah, that's right. And just see where, see where that curiosity leads us. And it's guided curiosity in some ways. Yeah. And, and why that matters is that God is a person. (laughs) And so I think we're constantly needing to be reminded that God is a person. We're in a personal relationship with this person. Now, this person has spoken through this book, namely the Bible. And so when we take up the text of Scripture, we're entering into a dialogue with, with God. And, and so we're hearing Him through Scripture. We're responding through prayer. And so anything that we would learn about listening and dialogue with another person is going to be applicable to our relationship with God. Yeah. And so I think be- with that in mind, and before we wrap up here, I think it's worth mentioning, we've alluded to it, but this idea that in the double love command, you love God and you love your neighbor as you love yourself. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I, I don't want to generalize and make a blanket statement, but I would say maybe the people that struggle with listening to others mm. may struggle with listening to themselves mm-hmm. as at a foundational level. And so there's a sense in which as you're working on listening to God through scripture, listening to your neighbor through conversation, we don't want to lose the sense of there is this listening to yourself piece mm-hmm. that is somewhat foundational to both of those mm-hmm. and being able to interrogate yourself in a uh, non-judgmental way. Like what, what am I really 
feeling right now? Yeah. What, what, why am I, what's going on right now? What in kind of slowing down and so mm. creating space to slow down and listen to your own heart first mm-hmm. will allow you to listen to your neighbor better. But I think that you could probably, I think agree with this. There's a symbiotic relationship between those two. If you practice it with your neighbor, it's going to be hard to not pr- apply that same practice to yourself. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Well, and, and part of that is, is that people, um, people don't really know what's going on in, in themselves when they're listening to other people. And mm-hmm. so you might have just said something that actually offended me, or you might say something that actually makes me nervous or, or feel mildly rejected by you. Mm-hmm. And so then I start speaking without actually checking in and realizing, oh, my heart rate elevated a little bit when you said that. Yeah. <laughs> or, wow, I actually found myself, you know, my mind was populated with really uh, aggressive thoughts towards you or something like mm-hmm. that. It's because we're not really good at that. And, and for those of you who might think, hey, this is just, you know, psychological mumbo jumbo, um, read the Psalms. That's what I would say. So Psalm 42, why are you downcast, O my soul? Mm-hmm. Why are you in turmoil within me? Uh, or Psalm 131, my soul is like a wean child, like a wean child is my soul within me, right? So there's this uh, way in which our souls actually can be calmed by us, um, soothed like a weaned child, soothed within us. We can self-soothe. That's biblical uh, it's psychological language for a biblical category. Mm-hmm. And so there's a real importance to our ability to actually tune into ourselves in order to be attuned with other people. Yeah. Well, that's that's a good word to end on, taking us back to the Psalms as always. But, as always. Um, <clears throat> I hope the listeners who have listened to this whole podcast now feel a little bit more equipped to uh, practice the art of listening, the one hour, no screens for the love of God and neighbor, not just to shut your phone off and go about your day otherwise. Mm. So I look forward to the future conversations we're going to have as we continue to unpack these rhythms that we're practicing together. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Nate. 